AJ Jason here. Glad to hear that you're starting to embrace the old school thing. The rulings, not rules. And, you know, it's not saying you always have to do that, but giving yourself the freedom to be able to make on the cuff rule decisions is huge. And hopefully that'll help a little bit with the prep anxiety and the, you know, and the stress. So I, so I definitely hope it helps. Um, sounds like you're moving in a positive direction, which is awesome. And I look forward to, you know, I, I can't say accompanying your journey so much because we're just on the internet, but I, I definitely look forward to hearing about your journey and be, and, I, and, and I am here supportive of you. So take it easy. We'll talk to you soon. Things he won't share with us, the darkness in his brain, the dungeon master's plan, the pleasure and the pain, but better left unknown, keep calling out to me, I hear him think out loud, to die the only the brave shall come. My name is Che Webster, and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. Well, it's a stormy, stormy day here in Nottingham, UK, and uh, you can probably hear the rain, I don't know. But um, what I'm going to say is big thank you to Jason for calling in, and yeah, just being so encouraging. Um, it's been wonderful wonderful week in so many ways even though it's been really crappy in others i'm at the end of a period of recovery from about flu never have i been quite so ill um and yet through the week i've been finding time to read and to think and to plot and scheme and yeah it's been kind of wonderful as well Sometimes I think when I am unable to do the things I want to do, I end up just dreaming about them instead. This episode is going to have an awful lot to try and pack in, so I get a horrible feeling it might end up being two. We will see. But the first thing I want to address is I've had a couple of call-ins on the subject of the satanic panic rearing its head, which goes back, I think, I think it's episode 21 of the Dungeon Master's Diary, in which I reported a kid telling me, that um, some of the Christian community nearby are somewhat suspicious of Dungeons and Dragons. Anyway, there's been an interesting response, and I wanted to air those call-ins and respond to them. And yeah, let's dive in. Hey Jay, it's John here from the Rad Dice Diaries. Just been listening to your GM diary. I think it's episode 21, where you're talking about the influence of the satanic panic even over here in the UK. And I just wanted to say good on you for, you know, trying to push through that and trying to bring new people into the hobby. And that's a very valuable contribution you're making. Although, I must admit, a small sarcastic voice in my head when you mentioned it went, really? Religion's being a little bit slow to let ideas drop and adopt new ways? Tell me more. But I think that's just my own innate grognard sarcasm kicking in. Really enjoying the episodes, Che. I'm going to get back to listening to those now. Take care, dude. Keep doing what you're doing, and I'll catch you soon. Che, greetings from Conrad Kinch here in Dublin. Um, this is a message in relation to your episode uh, where you referred to uh, your 
uh, brush with satanic panic stuff in school, and I, I'll be I'll be quite honest. I've had to delete my previous um, message because uh, when I when I listened to your episode, I almost choked on my breakfast gin, and uh, my initial uh, voicemail was uh, less than polite um, and and almost certainly not fit for broadcast, but. Um, it just beggars belief. I'm 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 genuinely mystified that this is a uh, that this is a concern um, in this day and age. Uh, I, I'm I'm completely bewildered. More on this and on. The idea that the medium itself is inherently dangerous is completely ridiculous. I mean, you could use the same cameras that made a great work of art like Schindler's List to turn out a piece of vile child pornography, but that doesn't mean that the medium of film is somehow inherently suspect. Um, you know, there is the. Uh, uh, we don't doubt there are terrible role-playing games. Uh, I think Holy Race War would be one that stands out to me, or um, Fatal, um, or you know, you you could have a particularly vile D and D game where you just sort of wander around being murder hobos and and uh, torturing and burning people. But um, it is a it is completely ridiculous to say that RPGs in themselves are antithetical to uh, to Christianity. You know, there are no end of Christians in the RPG community. Uh, myself, for one. Um, Ken Height, Ken for example, pretty Christian, pretty gamer. Um, the uh, father, I, his name escapes me, chap who runs the Blood of Procopius blog, um, and, and whose old school credentials are absolutely gold-plated. Fantastic piece of work. If you haven't checked it out, you really should. Uh, is I believe a Russian Orthodox priest, but also a massive D and D nerd. Um, you know there are any number of religious people doing uh, work in the RPG sphere, and some of it is extremely good. Um, and I'm I'm trying to control <laughs> my anger uh, at this uh, at at the idea that this is uh, that this is an issue that you're having to grapple with. And furthermore, if they have. If, if you do have a, a child who can't partake of this wonderful hobby because of concerns that the parents, ill-founded concerns that his parents may have, um, maybe direct them to the Facebook group The Tavern, which is a massive group of, of Christian gamers. Uh, Saving the Game podcast, also some great stuff. Um, I, I think RPGs can be a, 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 a wonderful medium for good. Um, and I, I'm... I, Words fail me. Words just absolutely fail me. Um, but uh, I'm sure that you'll handle this situation sensitively and well. But I just wanted to leave a message, several messages, in fact, of solidarity and support. And keep fighting the good fight, brother. And, um, you know, wishing you all the very best, old chap. And, and carry on. Well, now, an interesting pair of call-ins, eh? John Large there from Red Dice Diaries, kicking it all off. And uh, first time call, I think, from John. So I really appreciate that, man. Um, 
I, I really did. I, I thought that was, uh, you know, being honest about your cynicism also was much appreciated. I was smiling through that. And Conrad, although the initial part of that had me sort of on edge, I didn't know which way that was going to go. Um, I think the mention of your morning gin, choking on your morning gin was the thing that got me and made me smile. And just thank you, uh, first of all, to both callers, because you're kind of airing the way I feel about it in a quite like succinct way. Um, and I appreciate that. So I'm going to say a couple of things that um, I'm hoping are not going to offend the Christians. And I think the first thing I need to say is that I am myself a Christian. Um, Comrade there mentioned the uh, Blood of Procopius um, blog, which is a blog that I found a few years ago uh, by Father Dave. And uh, yeah, an Orthodox Christian, Russian Orthodox Christian, like me. I converted to the uh, Orthodox faith uh, some years ago now. And whilst I may not be the most faithful attender, I mean, oh, Lord uh, knows that uh, Father Gregory probably, um, yeah, my local priest in Nottingham, he probably uh, wonders what's happened to me. But, um, you know, that doesn't stop me having the heart um, of a follower of Christ. And I'm going to say so because I'm not going to hold that back and hide that. So here's what I wanted to say. I think the satanic panic for me it comes from a particular um, mindset within Christianity, which is, I feel, pretty anti-intellectual. I have long held the view that it is a requirement of a person of faith to be educated about their faith and to delve deep into the beliefs, uh, the traditions, uh, the scriptures, um, and also the experience of that faith. And I believe that there is in this world a tendency for people to skate the surface because that's safer and easier. And this leads some people down a road of, you know, saying that learning and study and reflection and thought, these things are dangerous. They're only dangerous to a person who wishes to control what you think and how you behave. And I don't believe that control is at heart what the faith and the church is about. I know historically that it has been um, something that has plagued this tradition. But I also believe that it is not what the faith is about. I believe that role-playing games are an amazing technology, an amazing um, invention, a fantastic thing uh, that it takes a really basic human desire to tell story and to experience together and to gather together and gives it structure and gives it goals and creates something immense. And I'm just never going to stop playing. And I'm never going to stop encouraging new people to come and play these games. And... If it is a worry, I would say that the biggest worry I have full stop about everything that I do is that someone somewhere is going to go out there, disagree with me and try and deplatform me, uh, try to count me down, shout me down, uh, destroy me. And I guess that uh, that is the fear. But in the end, I think we have to stand true to what we believe. And I believe that role-playing games can be immense. And as Comrade said, I don't think that it's I think it is fair to say that they have been misused in many ways and can be but that is not to say that they must be or that they will be a bad thing
And so, yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. And I hope that you will take that in the spirit as intended and not as an attack upon the church or attack upon the faith or even some rabid anti kind of faith defense of the hobby because ultimately I just think that you can be a Christian and play fantastic games of imagination and play them well. Thank you, John. Thank you, Conrad. Game on. I've just finished reading the um, Old School Essentials Core Rules, and I've also had a read of the Genre Rule book, and a little time flipping through the Treasure book, actually, because I was curious. Um, I have yet to delve the Monster book, um, and I have yet to delve the Spell book, but um, yeah, I thought it would be worth kind of recording a few thoughts and reactions, really. Um, so basically, I really enjoyed this. I've had a really uh, pleasant time reading through this, although a number of things are very surprising. And um, I think I'd like to start by sort of saying that I think you have to come to old school essentials, um, to the basic expert rules, with the understanding that this is a game. And it kind of goes to my thoughts around whether... Dungeons and Dragons as a role-playing game it was really ever a storytelling game. Um, and that's something that I'd like to talk about in a, in a different episode, I guess. But it is the first sort of impression that I had that actually this idea of, you know, after the game, we would tell the story of what happened. And that is, you know, the sort of, the, the uh, not the right way around, but the way around that the game seems to imply, not that you would set out to tell a story, you know. Um, and, of course, this game very much predates, I mean, the text of this is a faithful reproduction of, you know, 1981 basic expert Dungeons and & Dragons. So, and it's pretty faithful. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it really predates that idea, which I think really came in the mid-80s. Um, I'm thinking 85, 86, something like that, with Dragonlance. I can't remember exactly when. Dragonlance is the one, I think, where I really became aware of... I think most people looking back on it would agree, became aware of this idea of there being a plot. Um, but anyway, I digress. Really, that idea, this is a game for adventure gaming. You know, page five of the core rulebook, it's adventure gaming, and... Um, I I just think that that's really important uh, to to understand because I think where I've had problems with this this set of rules in the past has been where I have been bringing the simulationist mindset, if you like. Um, I'm not sure I like that phrase, but you know what I mean. Trying to like make a realistic um, kind of yeah, higher sense of verisimilitude in the world, if you like, that actually everything makes sense in a logical kind of way. Whereas actually, first first and foremost, this is a, you know, supposed to be a game, an adventure game. And um, that's really struck me all the way through. There are so many things that I could point to that suggest that. Um, yeah, that, that was the first and strongest impression. And I think once you embrace that idea, it's fine. 
<laughs> um, there are so many things that you can just kind of not uh, investigate too closely. Um, so, for example, the the idea uh, first came straight to mind is with spells. The arcane spellcaster has a number of spells in a spell book that's equal to the number of spells they can cast in a day, and that's a hard rule. You know that you, you don't have any more spells in your spell book than that. And I I know there are going to be many G, um, referees GMs out there who just go, no, that's a silly rule, and they, they house rule it, but you know, I just want to want to say that as written, um, that's how it is, and that's the nature of the game. It's a basic game, and um, I think that if you want to change that, obviously that's absolutely fine because the first, you know, the first kind of basis of this is it's entirely about guide, you know, a set of guidelines, if you like. But I was very struck by, and I'm going to try and honour um, something that's in here. There is a a kind of a yeah house rules thing on page six it sort of says none of the rules presented in this book are, um, are to be taken as gospel and if the players and referee wish any rule may be expanded altered or removed such tweaks to the rules are known as house rules and every group will end up with their own unique way of playing tailored to their particular tastes that said the rules have been carefully designed and very uh, very thoroughly battle tested many groups will be perfectly happy with the rules as written Beginning players are advised to play with the rules as written for some time before starting to change anything. And in one sense, I'm not a beginning player. You know, I've been role-playing for about 38, 39, maybe 40 years. Um, the truth is, though, that I am a newbie coming back to this game, and I, I kind of want to treat it like that. And I've, I've told the group today that um, I want to go at least four sessions before I even entertain <laughs> talking about house rules so there's a the thing anyway look i've been wimbling for five minutes and i've not even said anything of, of consequence um i've really enjoyed this and uh, there were lots and lots of things that kind of struck me going through it that are just interesting really um the great guidance i think i've said this before there's some really great guidance on how to run adventures and i'm going to try and follow it pretty faithfully um, I'm going to run the game in the way that's described here, at least for those first four sessions, you know, and um, uh, designing a dungeon design. I don't have to design a wilderness, thankfully. I'm going to be using um, Gary Norman's Dolmenwood. Um, but actually, uh, there's some really great guidance, and uh, I think most what most struck me was about the kind of placement of treasure stuff, which I don't think I've ever really paid enough attention to. Um, and the warding XP, all that stuff is really interesting. Um, and I think I'm going to try and use those treasure types and treasure tables and randomly roll things and just see how that plays out. I was struck, actually, by how little healing there is. Um, one of the things I investigated was the, the chance of getting a, a healing potion, um, which in when you're level 1 to 3 is a 1 in 8 chance. And when you're above, sort of level 4 and above, is a 4% chance. Um, There's specifically the chance of getting a healing potion. That struck me as interesting when you consider that the cleric doesn't get any spells until level 2. And as far as I can tell, there are very few other ways of getting healing. And in fact, what you're relying on is the rest up for the day and get, I think it's 
d3 hit points back off the top of my head having read it just once <laughs> um and yeah kind of caution you know is really it's not overtly emphasized but i think when you play this um you're going to discover that you need to be pretty cautious and fighting is not going to pay off um I don't know, fighting is something you got to think about. I, I really want to use retainers. I found the guidance on that really lacks. Um, I can't find anything. There's basically one little example of what you should charge. It's sort of how to set them up is fine. You know, you can kind of... Um, NPCs are kind of, get, kind of created and put them you know, available and you see who's available. The standard rate um, just says, for example, a fear one GP a day and plus half a share of treasure. That's one example of like a retainer cost and um yeah I, f I found that interesting um it's very much in the hands of the of the of the ref and um yeah I, i'd like to use retainers quite early on in the game and i'm i'm really leaning towards encouraging the guys to have one character each because there's only three players uh really topping them up with retainers and finding a way of really funding some retainers up front so that they can they can experience that um, largely allow them probably to run them at the table uh, but actually to see how that works and then obviously their, their treasure they may well want to sort of retain those guys you know and um, I'm kind of cool with that at first I think it might be a really good way of handling things and um, you know the looseness of this rule these rules really struck me I suppose more than anything but there you go um, alright so random thoughts off the top um, genre rule book I, um, I was struck by how little the fighter has in terms of special abilities in other words none um, <laughs> the fighter is basically going to get um, you know pretty by the time they get up to top level they're pretty damn um, great saving throws pretty damn good in combat but actually there's none of this kind of extra special ability stuff at all and I'm not sure how at least one of my players is going to react to this lack of uh, special abilities and classes but then again I don't really know if we're going to be using the standard classes because the Dolmenwood players guide appears to have some new stuff and I'm not entirely sure I need to read it I haven't read it I have got into the calls first um, I'm not sure whether those classes replace all the basic ones so it could be that um, you know, we're going to be using utterly different stuff anyway, but I don't entirely know yet, and I will find out soon. So that's the thing that struck me. Uh, you know, classes are incredibly simple, if you like. Um, and there's a part of me that really is uncertain about how that's going to feel for the players. You know, like, it's kind of in a lot of ways feels like the the referee's game, Um if, if people accuse D&D &D 5e of being a player's game, then I wonder if sort of BX is, a, is the DM's game. I don't know. Remarkably easy to run from a DM perspective, I suspect. Um, love the magic item stuff. A um, number of things I really want to try out. I, I don't think I've ever used um, a sentient sword in a game. Um, I don't think I have ever truly rolled up magic items off a magic item table from early D&D &D. 
as a GM. I, I mean, I used to play back then. I never was a GM back in those days. And so I realised that I have never truly run a classic D&D game. You know, I said earlier, I'm a newbie old schooler. Um, I don't think I've ever really run it. You know, I've always read them and um, done odd bits, but not run a game properly. So that's what we're going to try and do. And I'm just going to stop wittering. And yeah, see how this goes. Game on. <coughs> Sorry. Um, it's Tuesday morning. Um, for the first time in my entire adult life, I am signed off work with flu. Um, I'm reasonably conscious and with it this morning. I've actually slept. And uh, a postman just came and I, I wanted to record this because I, I was so excited. Um, Interestingly, it's come. This is an envelope here. It's got on it. Please do not bend. And it's inside one of those royal mail bags that say, "Our sincere apologies. We are very sorry it's reached in this condition." Essentially, looking inside, I'm just going to open this up. It's been opened. Somebody peeked inside this. Um, probably one of those uh, people who think it's a card or something and want to um, see if there's any money inside and steal it. Um, actually, I don't know, it's ripped down one side, but it's here, and I'm just going to rip the last bit, because um, I'm dead excited, from the handwriting now, I'm guessing I know who this is from, oh wow, oh wow, it's more than I expected, um, there's a note, let me read this. Hi, Che. I decided to throw in an extra two zines. Thanks for all you do for the hobby with Roleplay Rescue, etc. All the best. G.H. It is, of course, Goblin's Henchman. Mr. Henchman has sent me a copy of Carapace, a copy of the Hexflower Cookbook, a copy of The Master's Horde, um... The latter of which I have never heard, so that is amazing. Um, and entirely getting used in my forthcoming um, games with old school essentials. Um, thank you so much, dude. If you're listening, and I'm hoping you are. Um, yeah, that's just made my day. I was feeling crap, and frankly, you've just put a smile on my face in a way that I didn't... Oh, wow. He's even got the carapace supplement tucked inside the back of this printed copy. Thanks, man. Game on. You know, it occurs to me that when we're ill, that's when we really lean on, you know, those around us. And um, it really struck me how my support network, I suppose, has changed and grown um, through this podcast and an example of that is a lovely message I got via Patreon from the newest patron John Shaw and I really hope that John won't mind me sharing this but he he dropped me a note um, essentially telling me he just caught, caught up with the roleplay rescue back backlog and <laughs> actually mentioned he's inspired his, to start his own blog or podcast I tell you what man I'd really love to see um, or even better, hear what you've got to say. 
But anyway, he, he said that uh, he noticed in my GM Journal diary episodes that I've, um, I, I seem to have what he calls a similar spirit to his own uh, in that the kind of, it's that whole ADD thing that, um, you know, gamer attention deficit disorder, <laughs> which by the way, we're not in any way belittling actual ADD. But that thing where, you know, you go from one thing to the next thing, uh, you know, the possibilities, as John wrote, the possibilities in these tomes uh, is intoxicating. I always want to start a new campaign, create new characters, explore new RPG systems, build worlds, and even try my hand at RPG game design. So many projects, so little time. Anyway... The wonderful thing was that John also made a recommendation for a book. So I'm just going to share that recommendation here. Uh, the book is Refuse to Choose, written by Barbara Shear, S-H-E-R. And John said he did an excellent job of helping him to cope with uh, what he calls his serial obsessive nature. Um, it says the book's reasonably priced in print or ebook format. Um, and please have a read through reviews on Amazon to get a good sense of what you can expect first. Well, John, I went to Amazon. I have grabbed the free Kindle uh, sort of version. You can kind of essentially just grab a, a little bit of the text. Um, I can never remember what they call it. Anyway, done that. I've stuck my Kindle on charge because I realized I've, I've not touched it in so long that it's out of battery. So hopefully later today, I'm going to sit down and start reading that. And I just wanted to share John's recommendation with you guys. Refuse to Choose by Barbara Scher uh, to help cope with serial obsessive nature. Thanks, John. Game on. Did you know that February is LGBT plus history month? I didn't. I just got a note from Global Dimension, um, a kind of an education uh, website. And um, yeah, I didn't know that. And I also didn't know that February the 17th has been designated Random Acts of Kindness Day. And I feel like I really want to remember that. Um, so yeah, little note to self. This is um, LGBT plus History Month. And I kind of realise I don't really know much about um, LGBT plus folk and their history, which is shame on me time. Hmm.